Hello, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of Yesterday Sports on the Sports History Network. And make sure to check out sportshistorynetwork.com slash giveaways. I have two signed books I'm giving away. One is titled No Nonsense Old School Weight Training, and the other is Reliving 1970s Old School Football. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hello, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of Yesterday Sports on the Sports History Network. Here's the final segment of the Lee James story. We pick it up following a silver medal performance at the 1976 Olympics in Montreal. When they added the final votes to name the best USA lifter of 1976, Lee won 93% of the votes. In winning, Lee acknowledged that he could never have done it alone. Lee gave special thanks to John Turpeck and Bob Christ for convincing the Army to allow him to train in York, Pennsylvania. Also, Bob Hoffman for the Hoffman Foundation Scholarship that allowed him to attend college while training, and the people of Albany, Georgia, his hometown, for always supporting him. He also thanked his coach and trainer, Dick Smith. Smitty was a great coach and a wonderful person, said Lee. He was kind of like a third parent to me, even though I already had terrific parents. Smitty would have me doing things that were not conventional. For instance, he would have me facing all different directions in training while doing the lifts. Smitty didn't want me to get used to always facing the same direction. He also didn't want me resting too long in between sets. The reason for that is if you fail to succeed on your first or second attempt and you elect to attempt the same weight again, you are only allowed two minutes to get back out there and try it again. Another thing he would do, Lee continued, is that he'd sometimes have me practice taking big jumps and weight during training. His thinking was that you never know when you're going to have to take a daring increase during a competition to win a medal. In one competition, he had me take 330 pounds for my opening attempt on the snatch. That was a conservative opener, considering I had done 369 in training. But on my second attempt, he had me take 352. Most lifters only take a 5 kilo, 11 pound jump from first to second attempt. My third attempt was 167 and a half kilos, 369 pounds. That was an American record. A 17 and a half kilo increase from first to third attempt is very unusual, but I was used to that with Smitty as my coach. I felt training with Smitty was a supreme gift from God, that perhaps God had put Smitty and me together for a mutual purpose. Here's a sample of the training routine Lee was following at the time. He trained Monday through Friday, with Wednesday reserved for jumping drills and stretching, but no lifting. Interestingly, he did the actual competition lifts 
just once a week, although for many sets. Lee also did many polls, once a week on snatch polls and once a week on clean polls. He also did strict form overhead presses once a week. Lee believed it was imperative to do extra lower back work as he employed both hyperextensions and the good morning exercise once a week. And Lee left nothing to chance when it came to leg strength. He squatted four times a week, twice on back squats and twice on front squats. He also did leg extensions four times a week. Lee didn't skip his ab work either. He did sit-ups four times a week. Unfortunately, 1977 didn't go quite according to plan. Lee started to experience pain in his right knee shortly after the Olympics. X-rays revealed the patella tendon was ripping off the kneecap and Lee had to undergo knee surgery. Once recovered from the surgery, I started training again, said Lee, but the pain was too great to train heavy. That's when the doctor told Smitty that repairing the tendon didn't mean the cause of the problem had been fixed. Instead of being rounded where the tendon from the kneecap runs to the tibia, Lee's was more pointed, and it was also cutting through the patella tendon. That meant a second operation, which took place in late summer of 1977. The doctor took off some of the kneecap and rounded the rest. I asked Lee if he had any doubts or reservations about coming back after two knee operations. I believed that the adversity I had been through was to strengthen me mentally and physically. Even after the first two knee operations, I thought God had intended for me to do more. Still, many people wondered if Lee would ever be as good after not one, but two major knee operations. In February 1978, Lee put those doubts to rest. He was back in York, Pennsylvania in his first competition since the 1976 Olympics. And Lee served notice that he was not only back, but better than ever. He broke his American record in the snatch with a lift of 167 and a half kilos, 369 pounds. A month later, Lee participated in the Friendship Cup in Russia and although he didn't lift his best, Lee still took second place. A few months later, Lee was at the 1978 Senior National Championships, where he easily won first place in the 198-pound weight class, with lifts of 352 pounds in the snatch and 430 pounds in the clean jerk. There were only two lifters in the competition that totaled more than he did, and both of them were much larger men than Lee. He also won the coveted Best Lifter Trophy. Yet Lee walked away somewhat disappointed. I had snatched 375 pounds and clean and jerked 452 pounds in training just one week before the competition, he remembers. I was expecting to do those same weights at the Nationals. I took 352 from my opening snatch attempt and made it relatively easy. Smitty and I knew 
That lift would be enough to win first place in the snatch. So we went straight to 375 for my second attempt. Had he made the 375, it would have set an American record, breaking his old record of 369. Lee explains what happened. I had it locked out overhead, but as I stood up, I had to take a step forward. As I stepped forward, I slipped on some talcum powder, which caused me to lose my balance, and I had to drop the weight behind me. Lifters will often use talcum powder on the front of their thighs to reduce the bar's friction. Lee tried the 375 on his third attempt, and once again he had it locked overhead, but this time he lost it forward. Then. Lee missed his opening attempt with 430 on the clean and jerk. He cleaned the weight without too much difficulty, but as he jerked the weight overhead, his back foot once again slipped on talcum powder. Lee took the same 430 on his second attempt and was successful. On his third attempt, he called for 452, and that would have broken the American record but he was unable to rack the massive weight on his shoulders. He tried it again on a fourth attempt, but had the same outcome. Lifters are allowed a fourth attempt when attempting a record. It's also worth noting that Lee weighed in at 88.6 kilograms. He usually weighed in at the class limit of 90 kilograms. That's a three pound difference in body weight. Sadly, that was Lee's final competition. As I started training again for the World Championships, I began to get severe pains in the knee, Lee explained. And this time, pain radiated to the top of the tibia. The tendon was peeling off the tibia from being hyper-stretched under heavy loads. To eliminate some of the tendon's hyper-stretching, the surgeon operated on the right hip try to drop the quadriceps to compensate for the shortened patella tendon. But the surgery was pointless. It's not exactly the way I wanted to go out of the sport, but we don't always get to choose. Sadly, Lee's weightlifting career was over at the young age of 24 years old. When I couldn't compete any longer due to the knee issues, I was bitter for quite some time. I'm glad to say that as I look back now and think that perhaps it was for the best. President Jimmy Carter ruined a lot of people's Olympic dreams in 1980 with that boycott. And I know I would have pushed myself extremely hard to be the best at those Olympics, only to be told we're not going. One can only speculate how much more Lee could have done if not for the bad knee. Lee believes he could have eventually snatched over 400 pounds. I for one think he's right. To some that may seem like a bold statement, but consider this. Up until February of 1976, the American snatch record stood at 341.7 pounds. Just six months later, Lee had it up to 363.7 pounds. He increased that record to 369 and came extremely close 
with 375 with a bad knee. Lee's American record total of 362 and a half kilograms set at the 1976 Olympics held up until Kurt White totaled 365 in 1985. If you think that's impressive, hold on. His 167 and a half kilo American snatch record set in February of 1978 still stands. Tom Gow equaled Lee in 1996, but Tom did the lift with slightly higher body weight. Not one to sit around feeling sorry for himself, in 1980 Lee took up karate. The main reason I took up karate is that my son Stephen, then seven years old, wanted to take lessons. I figured as long as I had to drive him back and forth for these lessons, I might as well join in. My son eventually lost interest, but I continued and earned a black belt. I did that for about three or four years, and it was gratifying. Then I got into cave diving for a while, which was a lot of fun too. Lee turned 68 years old in October. He worked in the insurance business for many years and is semi-retired today. I do some work as a handyman, and I enjoy woodworking, Lee said. I have a workshop in my basement. Lee lives in Raleigh, North Carolina, with his wife Lori and their 18-year-old daughter, Abigail. His 29-year-old daughter, Shannon, and her husband, James, live right down the road. His 48-year-old son, Stephen, and his wife, Tracy, live in Georgia. Lee also has three granddaughters, ranging in age from 4 to 13 years old, and a 2-year-old grandson. It was a pleasure and honor to chronicle the story of one of America's great weightlifters and a man whom I respect enormously. He's Olympic champion, Lee James. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. Hello, football friends. This is Darren Hayes of the Pigskin Dispatch Podcast, and I'd like to invite you to the portal of positive football history, Pigskin Dispatch and pigskindispatch.com. We talk about everything that centers around the game of American football, expert discussions, the origins of the games, the great players, teams, and coaches, and more, and some great guests and insights from experts. We have new episodes three to four times a week, and you can find us on sportshistorynetwork.com, pigskindispatch.com, or your favorite podcast provider. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.